Hey, Blondie, can you tell me which way is catering? With Justine and Bruce. Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Today's backstage tour is with Pam Matthews from Aiba. And it is a great show today because we talk about everything but entertainment at times. I mean, I talking to her, I was almost giddy. It was like so exciting and entertaining and the things we covered. And the best part about it was that we've never sat down with Pam before and mm-hmm. really talked about things. I loved it because at the end, it seems like we've been meeting with each other for years. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing family again. You just kind of pick up where you left off. Yes. So then we picked up right at Drag Queens. Right. And that was right after we talked about porn. Kiss and Ozzy. Of course, the Judds. Elvis. Tour buses. Toilet seats. Well, on that note, let's get backstage with Pam. I really would like to get backstage. And I'll do anything. (laughs) Okay, can you come over and paint my house? (laughs) (laughs) Do you dust? (laughs) Come on over and walk my dog. I've I've heard that a few times. That's good. I've never had the guts to say something like that. Really? I'm surprised. Yeah, I just, timing wasn't there. (laughs) Hopefully soon, (laughs) because I want to see that. I want my house painted. Yeah. I'll do anything. Will you pay for my children's college (laughs) tuition? I'll do anything. Wash my car for a whole year. (laughs) Well, and they say, just to go backstage. But what do you want to do there? You can go backstage and I can like sit you by a dumpster. And that's not going to be any fun. Or I could take you backstage and lead you right out. (laughs) (laughs) Or that. Just because you're backstage doesn't mean it's like fun. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's not, not like back. everyone's running around naked all the time. I know. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's not even fun back there. No, it isn't. It's like dumpster fire. Defcon someone's crying. One. Someone's drank too much. Someone's and... carrying around two foot Fred. <laughs> Boy, your parents must really be proud. If I was a father and I saw my daughter in a summer dress carrying around two foot Fred, I don't know. Be none impressed? <laughs> I don't think I would be. I am going to be impressed when we talk to Pam, though. Oh, I think she's here. Are oh, we ready? She's waiting. Are you nervous? Pam's a big deal, Bruce. She is, and my palms are sweating. Look at you guys crowded around a microphone. Yeah. How's it well, going? You know, it, it's cold here in Wisconsin, so we have to cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. And today we have a special guest. Mm -hmm. It's Pam Matthews, Executive Director of the International Entertainment Buyers Association, better known as AIBA. And welcome to our podcast, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Great. A, I just want to say, is that a nice hatch poster you have framed in the background? It is. It's from Aiba's 40th um, anniversary. Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Nice. That's really good. Yeah. This happened to me about a month ago. I was talking to an, an event. It's a pop-up beer garden. I sent them my bio and 
they hire acts that are very low dollars. It's a very small event. And they were looking for me to help them out. So as we were talking and the conversation was getting better and better, but then all of a sudden he says to me, he goes, you know what, Bruce, you have a very impressive bio, but you know what? Those are just words on paper. What, what, what I would have said to that. What would, what, yeah. How would you have handled that? <laughs> you know, because you have a very impressive resume as well. And what if someone just said to you, well, you know what, Pam, those are just words on paper. <laughs> Let me just be completely honest with you. Please. I probably would have just hung up the phone as quickly as possible. Well, that's, that... Just to be honest with you, that's probably what I would have done because a bio can never be anything but words on a page. So I don't know what he was expecting, like a song or dance, like, you know, so. Yeah, but. Yeah. But well, I will say this, I will say this about bios. I have this, um, I'm just going to call it like it is. I have this um, bias about people who sort of pad their bio because at this point in my career, I can see through that. Like I can see through that and, and. I sort of feel for people who are younger in the business because those of us who are older in the business can't. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, you know when it's like fluffed up a little bit. And then also if you're bragging because you sold X amount of tickets, you're like, yeah, I did that one year in 1988. I sold that many tickets, but yay. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, but yeah. okay. Well, I was on the right page. That's kind of what you did. Yeah, because right? after, after he said that, I was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't think this is going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and like if, you know, if it's Tuesday and I'm in a better headspace, I'm going to go, because let me repeat it back to you. Did the guy say, um, you have a very impressive bio, but these are just words on a page? Yeah, because he was so, just. So the short answer could have been, well, thank you so much. Bye because bye. it was very <laughs> bye bye. Because bye. it was very yeah. impressive. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for that yeah. answer. I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. I feel better now. I I I thought yeah. maybe I slighted him, but maybe I didn't. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. it worked. Yeah. If you would have kept on with that, though, I mean, it would have just eventually just downhill, downhill. And that's where it was yeah. kind of going anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah. when okay. things start to, that's the other thing too. Like your gut knows when things start to spiral. Oh, this is going to spiral. This guy just, I feel like I think maybe this guy just insulted me, right? In so, a way, yes. Right. Yeah. So if your gut tells you it's going down, it's probably going down. Yeah. And this guy is on me with this bio for me trying to help him book $100 apps. Yeah. You know oh. I mean? Really? <laughs> Let's go. See ya. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Oh, okay. you should have had Justine call you on their line. Ooh, my other line's ringing. Gotta go. Bye. Yeah. 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 My more important client is calling me. Got to go. <laughs> <laughs> My bio writer is calling me for an update. Got to go. Bye. Yeah. Um, I think I think where we want to start to, um, we know you've been in Nashville for lots and lots of years now. Over 30 years you've been in Nashville, it's, correct? So on January the 5th or the 8th, of 1985, 36 years ago, I signed a lease on an apartment and opened a bank account in Nashville, Tennessee, 36 years, which is either like amazing or sad. I'm not sure what it is. Like I'm stuck or it's so awesome. It's no, amazing. you're never stuck. No, it's... I will say this. Um, 
So I spent the most, most of my life in two amazing music cities. I grew up in Memphis in the 60s and 70s. Hello. And then I arrived in Nashville in 1985. So like, where am I going to go for that kind of music culture? Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's, I feel really lucky. I feel really lucky just to be surrounded by so much music. I mean, is your next stop uh, New Orleans? Mm. Uh, you know, I love New Orleans, but I really do. So my brother and I went to Tipitina's for New Year's Eve, nine years in a row. Um to see the radiators and sometimes the Nevilles. I think New Orleans is about to slip into the ocean. I mean, that yeah, I wouldn't buy property in New Orleans. But I love New Orleans. I went to um I went to New Orleans for my honeymoon. That's how much I love New Orleans. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, again, from Memphis, it's a not, you know, depending on who's driving, <laughs> eight, <laughs> you know, eight or nine hours straight shot south. We used to go to New Orleans all the time. If you had a full tank of gas, you were going to New Orleans. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take us back to, to Memphis. So when you started, um, tell us about stacks, stacks records. Yeah. Stacks records Stacks. and, and not your usual story. I mean, do you have, I got, I got stories for you. Okay, I good. I, I, Cause when I saw that you were associated with that and had the opportunity to be there, I thought that was amazing. So, um, my dad was in the grocery business until he retired. And so he, we lived, when I was little, we lived in the same basic neighborhood as Elvis. So Elvis um, at Graceland, Elvis and I shared the same mall. It was a little, Mm -hmm. it's not like a mall. This was in the sixties and seventies, but it's the same. It's a mall. It's still a mall and the same, a couple of grocery stores. Um, So my dad was repairing some cash registers, some old school, like, how are we on the cursing with this thing? Can we, can I use a little, how are we doing? My dad was in the grocery store repairing these old school shitty uh, cash registers. And I'm sitting on the end of the um, grocery or the, yeah, the grocery tray. And uh, Isaac Hayes walked in and this is like, let's just call it 19, 70 and he had on a giant gold chain some orange velour hot pants oh sweet. not hot pants they like they i don't know what they were like walking shorts they just barely covered his knee <laughs> a vest and no shirt and it was a thing like i just looked at him and i'm like little and i kind of started crying because <laughs> Like he's like my Isaac Hayes and the hated like a force of nature. And then like the next week, um, uh, uh, Rufus Thomas came in with basically the same ensemble, except it was powder blue. And he mm-hmm. had like this big, great Afro and like just, they, they just had style at the grocery store. store yeah. <laughs> but it's not like we were at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Grocery store. Store. (laughs) On velour outfit. And and Isaac Hayes was like a rusty orange and uh Rufus Thomas's was powder blue. So and then one day we're driving down what is now known as Elvis Presley Boulevard. And my dad pulls up and Elvis is on a motorcycle and my dad goes, Hey EP. And I thought my dad knew Elvis. (laughs) My dad just goes, Hey EP. 
And so, and then Elvis also bought all his little Maltese puppies from the pet store in the mall. And um, one of my friend's friends worked at the pet store and Elvis came in to buy these. He came into the mall, came in through the back door and said, uh, I'd like to have those, the pair of Maltese puppies that you got. And so the guy, and he's like 15, goes and gets the puppies and gives them to Elvis. And, um, and then Elvis just leaves. So his boss comes and goes, hey, man, where are those Maltese puppies? And the guy goes, Elvis came and got them. <laughs> he goes, uh, did he pay for them? And he was like, oh, uh, I kind of forgot to ask. But then as, as per usual, like a day or two later, one of his guys comes around with a check for these Maltese puppies. And that's like a common theme. So Elvis used to go get stuff and then send people back around to pay for it. And the checks were drawn off Elvis Presley Enterprises. And so many business in, businesses in Memphis would have this check framed. Elvis Presley Enterprises made out to, you know, my pet shop for, you know, $400. And they wouldn't cash the checks. Oh. They would frame them. And so then Elvis's um, accountant and then the bank would have to call all these places and go, look, um, we'll give you a commemorative check, but we really need you to cash, cash that, that Yes. And it, it became a thing. I remember one time it was in the commercial appeal. Everybody cash the Elvis check, please. Yeah. That's hilarious. Because it was becoming a thing with the IRS. Like he would claim all these expenses, but it wouldn't come out of the bank account because people wouldn't cash their Elvis checks. Now so, would would like Elvis like that. would Elvis actually sign the checks or was it his business manager or accountant oh, I or yeah, I don't remember that part. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that would be that would be kind of yeah. cool. Uh, so then think, so you do you remember auto pins? Mm -mm. So so an auto pin was a thing, uh, a mechanical device that signed mechanically someone's autograph. When I worked for the Judds, we had an auto pin that would sign Naomi. Why oh, no? So wow. I feel like, I feel like it was Elvis had an auto pin that signed that check because I feel like the check did say Elvis Presley, Presley but yeah. I also feel like it was auto pinned. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought it was just a stamp. <laughs> a stamp. <laughs> just, yeah. 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 But it wasn't. Because I've seen those checks. Anybody from Memphis, especially in my age group, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like moms and uncles mm -hmm. are going, yeah, I saw those checks. So um, my, one of my best friends in high school was Jeff Dunn. Yeah. And his dad um, was Duck Dunn, the famous bass player. Mm -hmm. Duck and Steve Cropper, that whole the, yeah. the mm -hmm. house band there. Um, but I didn't, I didn't ever go to Stack Salt's. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I no. okay. So, you saw these people come into the grocery. That's what you were oh, saying. Oh, just yeah. all around. Yeah. yeah. So then when Everywhere. you were little and they were coming in, you know, all decked out in the nines at the grocery, did you, did you think to yourself like, oh man, like that lifestyle is cool. And I want to No, I mean, more. I was like really little, like five and six. So okay. just, and but I think that sets an important tone is that if you live somewhere else and all you see is people that look like your mama, your daddy, um, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your friends, moms and dads. Like that's a thing. But if you live in a place where you are exposed to fabulousness from the time you're able to recognize something like that is different and fabulous, and then there's something to aspire to. And it's not just in a magazine. Like when you're six years old, you're not getting a fan magazine with 
Rufus Thomas in it. But right. you see that and you just get to, to see that culture and just go, hey, man, there's something else other than what happens in my backyard. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, all the great radio stations. Yes. Mm-hmm. All that. Um, and then just driving. Um, here's another thing. So um, when you're driving down the street in your neighborhood and what music is coming out of other people's cars, like if you were in another town, I'm guessing that you weren't hearing the same music I was hearing. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That had yeah. to be fabulous. Yeah. There's different oh, music amazing. coming out of downtown Milwaukee than downtown Memphis. Memphis, and, yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Yeah. So um, it just everybody had it, and the, it's, it, it tends to, um, it tends to elevate the taste level. Like if, if you have friends whose dads make great records or work at great radio stations or, you know, that kind of stuff, you are exposed to, I'm just going to say it, better music. If you're in a music town, you're exposed to better music. You have better musical taste because you have, you have that experience. And it's amazing. It's just, I feel real, real lucky. So with um, your, with your time with the Judds yeah. um, and you built that empire, um, what, what was kind of your biggest professional and personal takeaway from that entire experience? Work ethic. Naomi Judd has, Naomi Judd might be a little wacky and just interesting and a bubble off center, but that woman has a work ethic. Like if, if she needs to be ready at eight, she is ready at about 10 minutes to light. And I mean, ready, hair, makeup, script, warmed up, prepared, already said hello to everybody. Like she's ready to go also handwritten thank you notes. Um, I don't know. So um, it used to be a thing after award shows to send telegrams to the winners. And she like you, if you want a Grammy, you might get a telegram from Dionne Warwick, or you might get a telegram from Barbara Streisand. It was just a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and Naomi did that. Like she wrote thank you notes and congratulatory notes to everyone for everything. She had a shed of gifts. Like this whole section was baby gifts. She had contract, she contracted with this man who made custom little rocking horses for babies. Mm -hmm. And he would um, uh, put the the sort of brand or burn in um, the child's name on the back of the horse. And it was, they were just adorable. And she would just call this guy and say, I need one for Avery please put Avery on it. And then um, sometimes he would deliver depending on where it is. And I need you to take it to Martina McBride's house. And, you know, Evie will tell you how to get there and just deliver it. Like she gave gifts and thank yous and congratulatory notes to everybody. And it was a really good thing. When I was the general manager at the Ryman Auditorium, we wrote a thank you note to every single band that played our stage, every single one. Hmm. And not with an auto pen. Not with an auto pen. <laughs> right. Not with an auto no, pen. Right. Yeah. No. And thank you note to every person who played our stage for eight years. And I don't mind telling people that. Like that's sort of a secret. I really think that's a secret to success is to write people notes. Um, and I don't mind saying it because 
Some people will do it, but most people won't. Because let me tell you, it's a, it's a big task. Mm-hmm. It's a big task to sit down and write a thank you note. We do that at AIBA. Everybody who speaks at AIBA gets a handwritten thank you note. I just like that kind of touch. Yeah, that's, that mm-hmm. is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I was 15, I started working with um, Bob Kelly at Mid-South Concerts as a runner. So I did that before and then I, before I hit the judge, then I spent three years at Starwood and then I toured with Kiss and Ozzy. So I definitely have those ripped costume stories with Kiss and Ozzy. I don't remember any ripped costume stories with the Judds. Okay. Go with the costumes for Kiss and Ozzy. (laughs) Oh, like bunches of split pants, like tons of just split pants. Um, I also remember uh, with, um with um with one of the opening acts with Ozzy, I, I did one Ozzy tour, which is Bark at the Moon. And we had an opening act before we got Molly Crew. And the label, the record label, had purchased leather outfits for the band to wear. This is a baby band, an opening act. And they um only like I think only had the guitar player had one pair of leather pants. And he didn't know, like if you wear those more than a couple of times, there might need to be some cleaning or maintenance or something. And so they bought them these outfits, but they didn't tell them how to clean them. <laughs> and so I, so we, and um, the wardrobe mistress with Kiss was um, kind of, um, she had, she had her hands full and she'd been touring for about 10 more years than I had, maybe 12. And she knew her job and her job did not include taking care of the costumes for the opening act. Like she was very focused. Mm-hmm. She did her job and did not take care of the opening act. So like I tried to ask her and she didn't give me a lot of advice. And it was like, I don't know, 20 years before you Google anything. So I called up a dry cleaner one time. They didn't give me a lot of answers. We tried, we we're going to put them in the bathtub. Then we decided to, because <laughs> I like, I don't know how to, and they were just nasty and then we had to so I, I ended up asking um gene one day i just it was like dude the opening act has these one like one outfits and they wear them every night and they're about to get disgusting what should we do and he was really nice and told us how to clean the leather and stuff then i went and told the opening act okay gene says you need to do this i thought that was really neat that was fun yeah, because I am sure those kiss outfits, oh. I mean, those things have to kind of maybe go through a car wash or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are just, those just seem crazy. Yeah. And they've been that way for a long time. Time, yes. Yeah. And just those heels. I always think, I mean, if you've ever been a, like in physically around them when they're in costume, I'm impressed because. I don't wear like heels like I used to, but I mean, I would habitually at the Ryman Auditorium wear wear heels to work mm-hmm. and just work for 16 hours in a pair of heels. It was nothing. I was like, I don't know, 40 or 38 and it was not that hard, but those things like that's just, <laughs> they're like amazing. stilts almost. They are. Yeah, they are. And I know that they're, they're custom of course, and they're balanced nonetheless. Nonetheless, it's not that Gene and Paul are just amazing entertainers. They also wear that shit like champs. And just, I find that very impressive. 
Very and, and, and kind of looking at Kiss and Ozzy and those kind of acts, their personality backstage is a lot different than when they put on their game face when they go on stage. Gene Simmons is funny as hell. That guy is so funny. He's very funny. He was always very funny to me and kind of like doing funny little practical jokes um, and would wear like, you know, pink socks and just funny stuff. Just like in the hotel, he just did funny stuff. He was a funny yeah. guy. Yeah. He liked to entertain people on stage and off. And because, you know, when the wigs come off and the costume comes off, all he really has left is his sense of humor and wit. And it's, you know, he's very well uh, rehearsed with his wit. He's a very funny guy. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. When you- uh... Ozzy just is, you know, uh, that's, you know, Bruce, touring in the in the 80s and early 90s was just different. I mean, yes. there was, <laughs> there was lots of cocaine and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Drugs. Yeah. So being with, you know, Kiss and Ozzy and the Judds and your backstage, did any of those people have any sort of like pre-stage like superstitions or rituals that were odd that like you guys always had to do a certain thing at a certain time before they go on? If if Naomi had that, she did it very privately. Winona would literally, and I and this is one of those things that always impressed me about her is she never warmed up. Like you'd be talking to her by the side of the stage and she would do this. And she did this on more than one occasion. Like you'd be talking to her and the band, she would hear out of the side of her head that it's time she'd go, hold on a minute. She would go that, she would go, hold on a minute. And then she'd go sing for like 70 minutes. Hold on a minute. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> a conversation then just go sing. Um, but you know, they prayed backstage. Um, you, uh, you know, who had, do you remember um, John Anderson with Yes? Yes. So Sorry. that, I know, yes. I set you up. I set you up. <laughs> I apologize. That was- Thank you, Pam. No, <laughs> I, I hit it out of the park. <laughs> I know. Um, so he had a teepee that he built in a dressing room backstage and he would sit inside that teepee and play with a bag of crystals. Yep. That was a fun one. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, so when I worked at Starwood in 86, 87, and 88, we did off-campus shows at Municipal Auditorium here in Nashville. We would promote shows that weren't on our property because we were promoters. Mm -hmm. um, and so we did a ton of dates. And I remember that one with, with, with John Anderson with Yes. Just there was a teepee in his dressing room and he had this little bag, leather bag of crystals that he had a crystal thing he did. Well, what would be like the purpose of it? What is like the outcome? Like, does it oh, bring oh, good oh, juju yeah. no, or does no, it like no, no, Justine. Your, what? So that's, that's the thing is when it comes to that kind of stuff, do not look for logic or any kind of explanation. <laughs> nope. Should have known. No, because the, um, let's just make, why would you do that? Does not apply to Ozzy Osbourne. I'm just, you know, why would you, is not something that you would ever ask Ozzy Osbourne. And I got the feeling that nobody really asked John Anderson that question too. Why are you, like, why was not going to be a question that you would get answered? Because yeah. all I think about when you tell me that story is a 70s Saturday morning Land of the Lost episode <laughs> with the Sleestack and the Christmas. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all I can. <laughs> yeah. But these crystals are like the size of uh, marbles. Remember the bags of marbles? Yeah. Sizes and you would play marbles. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah, they would just be oh, this like a bag of marbles. That's what it more, more looked like. Not like giant crystals that you would see in a head shop. More like, you know, a bag of marbles. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Did he ever lose his bag of marbles? <laughs> I think he lost his marbles, Justin. Yes. Oh, oh, there we go. Another home run. <laughs> <laughs> Friday afternoon dad jokes. That's it. With Bruce and Justine. That's uh, thank you. Um I'm and my kids love the dad jokes, yeah. I like a good dad joke. Yeah, good dad joke. Do they really? They don't. They no. don't. They just humor me right when you were with the judds I, I go back to that and because you launched tours and uh things like that what what did that look like when you were starting to put together like the hospitality rider i mean did you sit down with no i just did it myself hmm. me and mike mcgrath mostly did it did you ever put stuff in there like just for shits? Like, hey, I'm going to throw every this in here. Every once in a while. And, yeah. yeah. Um, every once in a while, just to see if people were paying attention. Every once in a while. And then at a certain point, I think I outgrew that. And, and as promoters, then on the other side of it. So I spent about half my career working for the artist and then half my career as a promoter building man or in a building. Um, I, got, I, I could see through that. Like my first career really was for Bob Kelly as a promoter. Um, and I could see through that. I could, you know, you, you can scan at this point, we can scan writers real quick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. always thought, you know what I thought was, I didn't care for, and I've seen it more than once is um, asking for porn magazines in a writer. I oh, think I've that, never seen that. Have oh, you I seen have. that? No, I've I, I can that. tell you, I got three names off the top of my head. I'm not going to say them because oh, I need right. to keep my friends in this business that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's three a different point. times at the right at the rhyme and I had three different ads asked for porn magazine. Just magazines. red pen it, just red pen it, just no, I did it. No, did he? oh did you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So yeah, the if you uh, want to go there, I'll go there. Yeah, yeah sure. Here, <laughs> here's a dozen it. of them. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly enjoy. what I did. Enjoy. That's exactly what I did, Justine. That's exactly what I did. I I, you wanted one or you wanted like three? Here's a dozen. Here's a dozen, <laughs> and these are the raunchiest yeah yeah um, i didn't even pick you know where you can go to used to go to can you be still buy porn at the 7-eleven uh i don't you know used to I, could. Uh, what's the right answer there <laughs> yeah i know i didn't know that that was ever a thing <laughs> yeah yeah you well, used i remember to. i early uh when i was in college i did work work at a convenience store yeah mm -hmm. and behind the counter yeah we had you know the the usual porn magazines oh, okay. yeah some were some were wrapped in plastic. Yes, some were, with a little uh, piece of paper in the front that covered up the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were definitely sealed in plastic, and they had a little, you know, sleeve that covered the cover. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely buy porn at the convenience. Did store. you just purchase all of them, Bruce? There was I, none actually to sell because you just bought them all. <laughs> yeah. I, well, no. I just uh, hey, I worked at the convenience store. I had free reign. <laughs> You gotta seal that plastic up just right though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or no, this one was delivered and it was already open. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so back to the it's hard to, it's hard to move on from porn, isn't it? I know. I'm like scanning uh, yeah. my list here. I'm like, yeah. where should we go next? Uh, Justine, <laughs> you're next. <laughs> I'm like shuffle my papers wow. here. Where uh, should we go? Yeah, I'm gonna that? turn the heat down in here. Hold on for a second. <laughs> 
Um, so while Justine is gathering herself, um, so at the Ryman, you had, I mean, I mean, that's just the tabernacle. I, I love the, the Ryman. Church. Yeah, it's just the stained glass windows and the sitting in the pews and just the acoustics in there. I mean, I just love all of that. You know what? It's a funky building, though. Like as far as beautiful buildings go, the, the Fox in Atlanta is a beautiful building. The Ryman is, uh, and there are some art deco buildings, you know, from the twenties that mm -hmm. are really beautiful. The Ryman is, is, you know, it's got a quaint beauty. It's, it's a funky little building. It's, you know, it's a funky little building. Yeah. And um, I mean, you've had some dynamite artists oh, go through everybody, there. everything. I mean, everything. yeah. And so, I mean, I'm sure it's very hard to choose, but yeah. I mean, are there a couple that just stand out amongst all of them? Yeah, I, I mean, feel one of the ones I'm really proud of that Ali Harnell and I booked at just the right time was we got Coldplay in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, Cause they, they were one of those bands that jumped. Like you don't, they did not build their following from clubs, like the Black Keys. I saw in a club in Nashville and then I saw them in a bigger club in that, like they built. Um, Imagine Dragons also went through the club system and some theaters and, you know, um, but Coldplay did not, but we had them at the Ryman and we booked them at just the right time. Um, and that was really fun. And then one of the things about living in a music city is all the guests that will come on stage. So if you have, um, if you have like a, anybody, anybody, like a Harry Connick Jr. one time, uh, George Jones came on and sing a song with him and ryan adams would always have people come on and you know that's that's Just always they're passing thing. through the area like a ham in town <laughs> yeah ham in town you want to come yeah. sit in yeah Very so that's cool. one of the things that makes all those shows at the Ryman and in Nashville, just different and special because people sit in i mean you have that in los angeles mm -hmm. and and new york to some degree but we always had someone when the judge played the greek or wherever um even like big at the pond somebody always sat in so going from you know doing both sides from the artist side with the Judds and then you know managing side and booking side with the Ryman do you what's your favorite out of those two do you prefer one over the other or were they both just so different that you appreciated them both I loved both okay I I you know what I like life on a bus um I'm little and so bunk like my you know my bunk I, I always loved my bunk and um, I was a dual lounger. Like I could, I could do back lounge and I could do front lounge, um, you know, cause that's a thing on a bus. There's, yeah. there's front loungers and there's back loungers. And I would say generally I was a front lounger, but I could definitely hang in the back lounge too um, when it was appropriate for a woman to be back there. Um, but then there's also something about having your own house because you never run out of things. And, and if something breaks, you're in your own town, you can go get a new one or get it fixed. There's something about sleeping in your own bed. Um, they're both super fun and, you know, just very different. Mm -hmm. um, but the camaraderie is the same. I mean, you're working so many hours and so much of your life is spent either with your family on the road or your family at the building, that that camaraderie is still the same. But I will say the variety working at a house is, you know, you just, 
unlock the door and the world's most fabulous musicians come in. Like there's something really fun about that from a variety standpoint. When you're on tour, it's the same show, different city. And you almost, I, I on the road was never as good about getting out and seeing the city as some of my tour mates were. Like well, on days off, I would often just sleep all day. Whereas like, you know, other people in the band and crew would be going to museums and going to the mall and seeing whatever um, movie was out. And like, they were really good about getting out and I was never as good as they were. And I really admire touring personnel who will get out and enjoy a day off. Do you have a, do you have a favorite bus story? Good or bad? Uh, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I haven't been on the road in so long. I don't know what the groupie situation was, but I toured in the eighties when there was a bunch of groupies in different towns. And so I have some interesting groupie stories that are probably, you know, a little too blue, even for this conversation, <laughs> you know, just groupies on the bus and, yeah. Uh, and then just all the disgusting things that men will do when they're basically around just other men just things because I have one brother and that's it. There's just the two of us. Um, so I just like men will do things that women won't do. Like just things that they just, we just, it never occurred to us to, to do that. Um, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Justine and I were just talking the other day. We were talking about how people come up to you, mostly women, and they they will tell you that they'll do anything to come backstage. Oh, yeah. So if I would have thought of this sooner, I was, we were talking about like this and I said, yeah. That. So I would be like, maybe I should have said something like, really, you do anything. Do you mind coming over and painting my house? Yeah. yeah. I'll do <laughs> yeah. anything. I think I've said, yeah. yeah, I think I've said stuff like that. Well, yeah. I've got a bag of laundry then it's. <laughs> Yeah, you can walk my dog. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. find, you know, I can't find the runner, but I do have this bag of laundry. If you want to take it to the fluff and fold, I'll have it back by 3.30. That would be yeah. great. Yeah, I got, you know, my car needs a wash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that kind of leads into a, a topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, for so many years, and this is still true. I mean, being a woman in the industry, there's few of us. So how, for years and years, you were probably the only woman on those buses. Mm -hmm. So I had this notion. So by the time I started to work for the judge, I had been in the business only like nine years. Wait, is that right? Yeah, about nine years. And I had this vision that I was going to go work for women. And Winona is only like... Um, nine or 11 months older than me. Like, so basically we're the same age. She would have been one grade ahead of me in high school. So we're going to like do stuff and it's going to be great. And I won't be the only girl. Um, and I don't, but that didn't happen. Like I, I had, you know, I, I had female bosses and there was, but they didn't show up at the gate. I, I bounced back and forth between the band bus and the crew bus. Um, which was nice because I did get to bounce back and forth between which bus I wanted to ride or which was convenient or whatever. Um, but I was still like the only girl on the bus. Mm -hmm. I didn't ride a bus with the girls, you know, I just right. didn't do that. Um, yeah. And when, when you were starting your career and, you know, being in a 
group of people and you're the only female, how did you set yourself apart to not be the assistant, right? Because if you're standing in a group of guys and you're oh, yeah. a female, you oh. are automatically somebody's assistant in the room. Or, or girlfriend. Or yes. girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I, it was supposed like everybody thought I was just like a groupie or somebody's girlfriend. Well, right. I used to work that to my advantage because um, I would, because nobody paid attention to me and I was on the road with Kiss and, and Ozzy as the accountant is that I would get to overhear things that I could later use at settlement because they just didn't, you know, that only works like the first time you go through town. And then the <laughs> next time you play for Philip Lashinsky, he knows. Knows, yeah. For <laughs> Herb Zuckerman, he knows. And the next time you're in that, so that shit only works once. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, your own band is going to respect you, especially if you're an accountant, you have all the money, like you're, you're paying out per DMs and you're checking log books and you're, you, you're the key to the money. So there's not going to be a lot of shit in that respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and then who cares? I don't care. I didn't care then. And I don't care now. Like, I just didn't care. And I don't know if that was just youth. I just didn't give a shit. I was so happy to be on the road and, and I loved my job and shitty attitudes were like I had, you know, just was, it just was and is, and who cares? Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. care. I don't care. You know what I do, Justine? I feel, I feel worse when I see it happen to another woman like that shit. I will get up in your face. If somebody's <laughs> messing with you, I am there with you, sister. If it's happening to me, I just kind of don't care. Most of the time, just don't care. Didn't care then don't care now. Because I think it reflects worse on the man. Who does that? Don't you have a sister? I know you have a mother. Don't mm. you have a daughter? Like, I think it reflects worse on the man who's behaving badly than on me. I agree. Yeah, I'm just over here, like, nodding. I'm like, yeah. I know. And, nodding, I, nodding, and I'm nodding. like, yes, yes, hey, yes. Pam, I, I want you in my corner, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll come fight for you. Somebody's yeah, thank you. you. Yeah. Know, I'm, I'm a yeah. sensitive male. So, yeah, you know. I'll come fight for you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. I like that answer. I, I resonate very much with that answer. Very much. Yeah, so. dude, I just don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. Because people are paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm getting paid. And yeah, especially like if, if you're on the road and it's a bad, you're like, I'll be gone. I will be gone from here in, I don't know, seven hours by 3 a.m. I will not be here. And maybe I'll come back and maybe I won't. Like I'll go home and tell whoever, how was it? Those guys are assholes. Everybody in the building is a complete asshole. Like I'm just tattletale. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hold you my tongue. And then, yeah, hold yep. my tongue and then just tattletale and tell other bands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've also tattletaled on shitty acts too. Like um, we had, I, I had a couple of bands um, just behave badly in my building. Um, in fact, I learned this from Bob Kelly. So um, uh, we were Memphis and Little Rock in the days when promoters were regional and Joe Sullivan was in Nashville and, and he would obviously either be before or after us. And Irv Zuckerman was in St. Louis and he would, he would often be before or after Memphis and Little Rock and then sometimes Texas. And if, if something was going on, my job would, Bob Kelly at the end of the night would have me get on the phone and leave a message for the next promoter and the next building and say, 
he, this was, um, this was his phrase. And it was like, everybody knew if they got a message from Bob Kelly or Dolores or Steve or me, this is what it meant. Um, such and such is headed your way and he's loaded for bear, which means like he's on a bender or this guy's an asshole or look out for security is going to lie to you. They're going to tell you they want to barricade and then their artist is going to say, I don't know why security is being such dicks. Everybody come on like that kind of stuff. Like we would tell, and I did it at the Ryman too. I would call the next town and go, you know, go backstage and go, you screwed us tonight. You behaved badly in my building. I'm calling your agent tomorrow and telling you what you did. And I've already called tomorrow night's promoter. So they're not going to let you pull that shit on them. Like that, that's happened to me more than one occasion. Yeah. I remember when I worked for a fair and we had an act like that where the tour manager was just a dick and yeah. he he got to the point where he was giving me the finger in the chest yeah. like that yeah. kind of stuff oh yeah. yeah from that night on i told everybody, everybody. who was having that <laughs> act to mm -hmm. look out for this idiot that was the tour manager that yes. was just gonna come in and just push everyone around and yeah. they just got such a bad rap after that mm -hmm. yep yeah i got a big mouth i'll tell everybody if you behave badly i will tell everybody Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you are one of the top 20 women in Nashville. I don't know if that's true, but let's I don't just know. I, I heard okay. it somewhere. I heard it somewhere. <laughs> let's just go with it. Somewhere because you got the uh, Women of Influence Award, correct? Was that 2019? Uh, 2019 was an Oakview group. Um, okay. the, the very kind readers of uh, Venues Now magazine do Women of Influence every year. Pam, you have a lot of years remaining. Um, now that you're executive director at IEBA, I mean, what's your next, what, I mean, you're very forward thinking, very respected in the industry. I mean, what, what's, uh, I mean, what's, what's next for Pam? I mean, Aiba, I'm sure, I, I'm sure Aiba is great. I mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but I mean, do, are you looking even past that? Um, uh, the answer is no. Um, basically because I never have, like, I've never done that. Um, when it was time to go, I sort of knew it was time to go. Like after 12 years for the judges, um, we, we had done uh, New Year's Eve 19. So I did the judge. Uh, Naomi got sick and couldn't tour anymore. So we launched Winona's career. That was fabulous. We did New Year's Eve 1999 as the judge again. Then we did a reunion tour in 2000. And I've really had the feeling, what else can I do? Like I've just, it's come full circle. I've done it all. It's I've been here for 12 years. And for me, it just felt like I was time to go. I, there's plenty of people that were all trained up around me. They still had Mike McGrath with them. And it was like, it was just time to go. Um, and with the Ryman, it was just, I, I didn't get married till I was 41. My husband was in the military. He was stationed in Monterey for 18 months teaching at DLI at the Presidio of Monterey. And like I was a newlywed. And I just wanted to go be with my husband. So it was just time for me to go. Um, and it's not time for me to go. And, and I just don't think you can, I don't think you can even, can you prepare your next thing? Because it's not like I could just, I don't know. I just don't know. For me, I don't know if you can write the script. 
unless maybe you want to go start your own company. Like maybe you could do that. I don't have that entrepreneurial thing. I, I like, I don't, I don't like to play with my own money. Like I like to work for a business and build that business and turn it into a legacy or whatever, the best that I can do, set it up to succeed when I walk out the door. But I don't have that entrepreneurial thing. I don't have that. So I just know doors have always opened and they've just, I couldn't have charted this path and it's been amazing and it works for me. Like I don't stress it. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So one day I'll wake up and I'll just, will be done. And then something will happen and I'll go do that. And, and I'm not a, like, I'm a planner. I'm, and I'm not being flip about that. Mm-hmm. I'm a planner. Um, you know, at, at some point, I think I'd like to, to live overseas for a little bit. My husband speaks a bunch of different languages and um, because he's um, ex-military and that could be kind of fun mm-hmm. to, you know, travel more because I haven't traveled a whole lot since really 2000. Yes, so for, I've been on the road in 20 years. Mm. I don't want to go ride a bus, but it might be nice to, to travel some. Take a more luxurious route besides a bus. Yeah. I flew on some of those tours and that was kind of nice mm-hmm. and stayed in nice hotels. Well, then I, I'm assuming Aiba will be very happy to hear that answer. Yeah. That you're like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to say I anything, can. but yeah. I'm out. No, yeah. my yeah. gut, my, my gut, gut feels good. I'm, yeah. I'm still good okay. here. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I just had that conversation with Renee Alexander and um, John Bolton and Wade Asher, you know, we kind of like a check-in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, other than just having like the, the winter doldrums, cause you know, we're what, how many days till spring? 30, 31, 20, uh, probably 120 <laughs> days here. Well, yeah. <laughs> in Wisconsin, yeah. we're like yeah. forever away. Yeah. And I just don't like the winter. So other than just like, eh, like winter, eh. mm-hmm. and then, oh, then just like COVID fatigue and all that. Just, that's just a low level of stress that you deal with all the time like it's like having a broken ankle or something it's there all the time time. right right so you um justine and i we we kind of read up on you and you got a impressive bio but remember it's only words (laughs) words (laughs) um but but (laughs) justine and i love a lot of your quotes or sayings Mm -hmm. about you know, leadership or how to conduct yourselves and that type of thing. Do you have any new ones that you've kind of added to your list? Like, you know, one of my favorites, aim low, it's easier. You know, my kids (laughs) love that one. But do you have, do you have any? I still like, I still like the bloom where you're planted. That's from my grandmother, one of my grandmothers. Um, And I think it's probably as applicable now as it ever has been. there was a phase in business where everybody thought it was only cool to stay at a company for four years and then you needed to move on. And I certainly had that with younger employees. And I was like, you know, you should probably just bloom where you're planted. Like just in, I, you know what the version of that is today is uh, be in the moment, stay in the present. Let's, that's what we call it now. And I still think that that one works. Like if you're always looking and scanning the horizon for the next big thing and you know, what your next opportunity is, you will miss a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of goes to like, what are you going to do next? I don't know. Have a sandwich. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know. I don't even know what's out there. Um, and then my husband from the military has like, don't be that guy. 
Like I always let that one. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't be, be that, that guy. guy. You say Bruce says that often. Do you say that? I, don't be that yeah, guy. Often. It's like, don't be that oh guy. boy, this guy's gonna be that guy. Don't or, be that guy. Don't yeah. be that guy. Yeah, yeah. don't be that. And guy. just and then like and that's you can pretty much say that to somebody while they're being that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just go, dude, don't be that guy. And yeah. then just you gotta walk away and let it see if it's if it sticks. Yeah. Uh, what I think- first? My one of one of my favorites that that you said I watched an interview that you did uh, back in 2018, and you said you can pretend to care, oh, but, yeah, but you can't, can't pretend to show up. Show up. And I That's love weird. that because so many people will pretend to care via email or texting or whatever it is, but they don't show up. Yeah, you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to show up. I loved. Were you yes. were you there? Yeah. When I were you there? No, then I then you don't care. Then you right. don't, you can always tell what people care about because it's where they spend their time and their money. And they can tell you they care about anything in the world, but you care about what you spend your time on and where you spend your money. And if you ever want to check your own values, like do a like an inventory of your personal values, figure out where you spend your time and your money. And you'll know right away what you really care about, what you really care about. Mm-hmm. So when the when you were on the road with the Judds, as far as outfits, did they have any like favorite outfits they like to wear on stage more than others? Like, oh, this is my, you know, like this is my favorite T-shirt or this is, you know, did they always have like a go to outfit that was always theme for sure? A what? A go to theme like Naomi and those you know, circle skirts with the, with the netting and my is just in all black, real slimming, all black. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Naomi had some Bagley Mishka, um, custom stuff made, um, in 2000 for, for New Year's Eve, 1999 and 2000. And that stuff was gorgeous. She loved that. Winona had a bunch of custom stuff too. I think, um, people might forget that Ashley was really was a little movie star for a minute. I mean, she was an it girl for, for a couple of years. I mean, Mm -hmm. she carried Mm -hmm. movies. She carried a movie with, um, uh, Morgan Freeman. I mean, she, she carried that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so she had a lot of contacts in that, in that arena in, Mm -hmm. in fashion. Cause Mm -hmm. and the reason I ask you this and it's just, kind of a goofy experience for me. But I remember when I had Reba at at a fair I was working and she wanted cheese curds and corn dogs and uh, all of that. So I kind of went out to the best vendors we yeah. had at the fair <laughs> and got them for. And, yeah. and when I got backstage, uh, they said, oh yeah, just put it in her dressing room. Well, I go into her dressing room and there it is the red sparkly dress for fancy. Yeah. Do I, do I try it on? <laughs> <laughs> do I touch do it? Do I? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just like one of those. Why? Did it fit? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say. Yeah. There, there, coming through the Ryman, there were a number of people that had, um, Chris Isaac had, had a mirror ball um, jacket that Ooh. was super reflective. Um, and that he wore for a certain song or two or a certain section. I've seen that. Um, 
I remember seeing a bunch of the Diana Ross because she didn't used to do like five costume changes and she had a feather thing that like she was real uh, picky about. Mm. Um, Cher had tons of wardrobe cases in the oh, 80s. My. Yeah, that shit was amazing. I mean, grow- growing up, my mom is a huge Judds fan. Huge, huge, huge. So I remember, I mean, getting glamour shots done in the yeah. early 90s. Yeah. And it was the, okay, I need the big hair because that's oh. what the Judds did. And I needed this because that's, oh, that gold. I remember that, you know, Winona had that at that certain uh, music video or something. So she was very focused on like Judd style because she was all about it. Mm-hmm. That whole, had style. whole image. Oh, yeah. So there was a greatest hits volume one, I think, where Winona has, because Winona just almost always wore pants and Naomi wore the dresses. Um, she had an all white, like pant suit with a flowy white top. That shit was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That was really good looking. Mm-hmm. That was the greatest hits volume one was right before Love Can Build a Bridge and they had a like a uh, Santa Fe kind of thing going on. With, a lot with of the shoulder work. pads, with the shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. I don't know Do about. Remember this? I don't know about oh. the the all white pantsuit. That would be one of those things that. Whoops! There went the cheese dip, right down the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe we just didn't yeah. have cheese dip. Maybe yeah. you're just a sloppy that was really or, or you sat on a chair and whoop! That chair wasn't that clean. <laughs> I, I, girls don't really like we check our chairs especially if you're wearing all white and that would be just a thing um at a certain point um after costumes were on it was really only bottled water there wouldn't be any cheese, cheese dip after costumes were on mm-hmm. like it's just all bottled water yeah you got to be careful with the everything yeah, yeah I, you got to be careful kitting it off too like more more damage is done removing the garment than putting the garment on there's sure. a lot of damage that happens in removing garments. And I've watched a bunch of stuff. One time we had Kings of Leon at the Ryman and um, they had gotten a, a wardrobe stylist had gotten them a bunch of cool new clothes like, and it got delivered at the Ryman. Some of it, like a, a couple of pairs of jeans and some tops maybe got into the, um, the duffel bags that were going out to the fluff and fold and it didn't get done quite right. And um, the jeans and shirts came back with a pink hue because a red t-shirt or something had gotten in there. So we went downstairs to the basement where all of our laundry facilities were and we tried to bleach it out and it came out flesh colored. It was, that was an entire day's worth of stuff. Ina Jacobs remembers that. That was a whole day. So they went on stage in like flesh colored clothes. <laughs> it was not great. It was uh-huh. not, it That's was not, not a good look. And then there was a whole bunch of finger pointing and yelling about who put a red t-shirt in the bag and that consumed the entire day. Do you have a nightmarish meet and greet story? Oh, uh, yes. Things yes. have just gone. You know, there was that guy. Uh, yes. Well, her is a woman. So, um, and it happened at a private, it happened in Fort Worth at a fancy gala. And that's all I'll say. If you're from Fort Worth, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And the judge were the special guests for this gala. And before there was a meet and greet for all the people who were attending the gala. And we were doing the meet and greet, the photo line. I was on the first end and Roach is the God bless you as you go guy. Like I'm the prep girl and Roach is the God bless you as you go guy. Mm -hmm. And so I say to this woman, um, 
we're, um, we're doing um, photos, um, sort of group style. So if there are two in your group or four in your group, we'll just do them group styles. And she looked at me and, she's, and she goes, honey, I paid $10,000 for my chair at the Bass Brothers table and I don't give a good what you think. <laughs> and I said, I love your dress. Because <laughs> I know better to argue with a Fort Worth lady who paid $10,000 for her chair at the Bass Brothers table, I will not win. So, but she just told me exactly where I stood. Should, yeah. I accepted that position. <laughs> <laughs> I love your job. Like just with that smile on her, you know how just women like oh, that would talk to you. And in the middle, she actually said, she goes, honey, I paid $10,000 for my seat at the Bass Brothers table. Then she looked across the room and she goes, hey, Evelyn. And she waved <laughs> at a woman across the room and then looked back at me and said, I don't give a good God what you think. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I yes, appreciate ma'am. somebody just right to my face. And I was like, yes. yeah, I love your dress. So uh, I said, I love, I love your dress. Yeah. That was good. This was people. Really good. So um, Winona toured with Michael Bolton on this voices tour, which sounds like right now, sounds like the most ridiculous like tour package ever, Winona and Michael Bolton. Bolton. But Ashley was dating Michael Bolton. And this one is right when he cut his hair off and like, oh, he's kind of good looking. Um, <laughs> you know, so- I like, how, the thing. I like, how, the I like how it's kind of good looking. Well, you got oh, he's a good looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and really smart. Like Michael Bolton is very smart and like likes, he's one of those men who love women, treat women with respect, um, like interested in what you have to say. Like he'd rather hang out with some smart women than dudes any day. Like he's just a smart guy. Um, also, he had crazy groupies, rich groupies too, that flew into Jones Beach on a helicopter. That was some shit. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, like his groupies flew to the show at Jones Beach in a helicopter. Doctor. Dang. Yes. I will say this too. So um, Naomi, or Winona has um, drag queens used to do Winona. Like they've always mm. done Cher. I remember this. always yes. done Dolly, but drag queens. And LA has some fabulous drag queens. So we hired some Winona drag queens to come onto the stage um, and seeing background for Winona while Winona was on the stage at the Greek. That was kind of fun. That's like cool. That. That yeah, yeah, that's, that's fun. fun. It was a real good sport about it. She thought that shit was hilarious. <laughs> now that had to be fun backstage. Oh gosh. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That one. I yeah. love drag queens. Yeah. There's, they're fun. There's a place downtown Milwaukee called Hamburger Mary's. Yeah. And they have drag queen bingo. And it is fantastic it is a blast how do you play drag queen bingo you just play bingo but the announcers are drag queens <laughs> so, so it's bingo hosted by drag, by queens. drag queens. yes but oh, it's called it? drag queen bingo, drag queen bingo. Yeah. yes okay. that's what they call it. but um, you can have drag queen anything you could have like correct. a barbecue you could have a, a spaghetti supper drag queen big spaghetti supper Chilly but it cook-off. is so fun it Chilly is the most, it was the most fun playing bingo that i've ever had i swear yeah I um, never before and never after the Judds did I do a tour that tours that included fairs. Like Kiss didn't play fairs, um, Ozzy didn't play fairs, and I I go to the Tennessee State Fair every year, 
and I buy my, you can go to the Kroger's and get a $20 pass to ride all the rides. I ride all the rides and I have my food mapped out also in conjunction with my rides because you can't like eat fried cheese curds and then do certain rides. Like it's a thing. Yeah. And then the, so I remember seeing Garth Brooks carved out of butter at the Iowa state <laughs> fair. That shit's amazing. Uh, <laughs> like there's just stuff. If anybody who's listening does not like you should go to Minot and go to the North Dakota state fair. It is fabulous. You should go to Del Mar that state fair. Like I just love a state fair. I like to go into the exhibit. First of all, I like looking at the livestock, not all of it. I like the bunnies because let me just tell you, there are about 120 different types of rabbits and you should see them all. And you can see them at a state fair. Mm -hmm. In Nashville, they had either ducks or geese. And I am not an official, I'm not an expert in that kind of um, husbandry, but um, they had ducks that whose um, feathers look like the wigs that ban- barristers wear in the courts in Great Britain. Like they just had these huh. wigs and it, like that's how their feathers do on insane. Um, tiny little geese, giant geese, just like the bunnies, like bunnies who weigh 50 pounds and bunnies you can fit in the palm of your hand. I love all that stuff. Then um, I go to the, I have a manicure set that I got at a state fair somewhere, one of Jimmy J's state fairs. Uh, Like, you know, you can just go and buy all kinds of as seen on TV crap. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. still have that. I still have that manicure set that I bought at a state fair somewhere. I love a state fair. I say state fair. It could be a county fair. It could mm-hmm. be the big E. I don't, I, I'm just lumping them all together. Mm-hmm. So when it, you're getting that food list together, what's your go-to mm. food? I mean, what's your oh, if you, you get favorite a, fair yeah, food? Yeah. Well, um, there's about nine of them. So what <laughs> I, like I have like the appetizer thing and yeah. then I have um, something like, like the best corn dog and then I do a dessert. Mm. Then I do that like three different times and I eat them. I do seriously, but I eat them in that order. Something that would be like savory and salty, maybe with a tang to begin with. And then something that you would categorize as like a protein and then like a fried Oreo. Mm. I tell you what, I can't support, I can't support fried butter. Like that would never work for me. Did you ever try the fried butter? No, no. I did. It was, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. I can't support that. I like deep fried things and I yeah. like butter, but I don't like those two together. Yeah. It didn't work for me. It yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. It didn't work for me, but if deep fried Oreo, hell yes. And also who doesn't love a freaking funnel cake? Right. Oh my God. And are you, candy. A, are you a traditionalist funnel cake or do you always, cause there's some people that get like the syrup on it and the strawberries and that. Oh you, no, no. Just powdered sugar. Just a that's traditionalist. Just, yeah. 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 That's the way to do just it. Just the powdered sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to wear the right clothes because you're going to eat and walk clothes and shoes. You're going to eat, walk, and then you're going to ride things that are going to throw you around and turn you upside down. Yeah. If you, if you do a state fair like me, oh, oh, I got a story for you. Winona and Naomi both bungee jumped at a state fair. Both of really? them. I would like you to stop and visualize Naomi Judd in the <laughs> 1980s, early 90s, heyday, bungee jumping. Hmm. 
in a dress? No, she didn't wear shoes. <laughs> she's pants. Yeah. No, not in not in um not in her stage costume. Yeah, yeah. Just, just in, casual. Still with that giant red hair bouffant. Oh dog. yeah. Bungee jumped. Bungee jumping. Bungee I was jumping. right there, dude. Like one time we were drunk on the bus and not one time, many times, and somebody broke the toilet seat. And so then when somebody passed out, they put the toilet seat around their head <laughs> and then we would prop them up and put socks in their ears, like that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. then we used to take pictures of people when they yeah, were drunk sure. and then you would have to go and have them developed, developed. and would only be that one copy and you'd show everybody and that was it. Because what happened on the bus stayed on the bus. bus. Well, Pam, thank you very much for joining thank us. You, thank uh, you. afternoon. You guys come down to Nashville periodically in a normal year, don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe That'd I'll find some drag queens and we can play bingo. Oh, yeah. Oh, you twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I love drag queens. Thanks thank a lot, you, Pam. Pam. Thanks for including me. Yeah, thanks really for your time. It. Yeah. Thanks for joining us backstage and visit Justine and I at VarietyAttractions.com. Get your backstage pass and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce, served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Find out how you can take advantage of their expertise in consulting, talent buying, production, and marketing services for your next event at VarietyAttractions.com.